Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the River Heights Buzz podcast. We're on episode 76 today. We're your hosts. I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. Today, we're talking about the first dossier game, Lights, Camera, Curses. That's right. This was my first time playing this game. Uh, so I was going in completely blind, didn't know anything about this series. I knew it was different than like the, you know, point and click kind of adventure that we're used to. But I had gotten the game a couple years back through Steam during one of their Christmas sales. Um, My father-in-law had gotten me a gift card to Steam and um, they were running this sale where it was like a bunch of the games all together for like a discounted price. And I own physically like all of the copies. I don't think I have a physical copy of Midnight in Salem, but my computer that I game on because, you know, technology changes constantly, doesn't have its own disk drive. So I have to use like an external disk drive that plugs into the USB anytime that I want to download a game or use a game that has a CD. So I was like, I'll just buy the games digitally and included in that were the two dossier games and I had just never gotten around to playing them until now just because I knew they were different and I can I know that they're not wildly popular like I know that there was supposed to be a third one that ended up being shelved so you know I'm excited to to get into this uh and see you know what other people's opinions are on it you had played it once before right yeah at least once before at least once. Um, so did you play it like closer to when it came out or i don't think so i played it a while after it was released okay um so but it has been a while since i played it last okay well let me go ahead and get into a little bit of the background of the game. So it was the first game released in the Nancy Drew dossier series, which I assume they were going to obviously do multiple games, um, considering the success of the initial franchise. And it just didn't pan out that way, which, you know, sometimes happens. It was released exclusively for digital download on the Her Interactive website on November 11th, 2008 before being released physically in May of 2009. I'm getting this information from our favorite website, mine and yours, the Nancy Drew Wiki fandom. So here is a quick synopsis. Seek the source of sabotage on a Hollywood set. You as Nancy Drew are on the set of a controversial remake of the famous 1930s film, Pharaoh. Studio original movie released with an alternate ending due to the untimely death of Lois Manson, the film star, and became a box office smash. Now, Nancy Drew is undercover on the set to get to the bottom of suspicious press leaks and uncanny accidents that have the production schedule in jeopardy. Is someone trying to sabotage the movie? Or is it a curse of the fallen film star in Nancy Drew, Dossier, Lights, Camera, Curses? So, a lot to unpack there. I'm not going to lie. The layout of this game is obviously very different. It's kind of like a hidden objects kind of thing instead of like the, I guess, adventure kind of format that we're used to in the regular series. I love the concept of this game and I wish that it was then turned into a game in the regular franchise because I feel like it it might have been like stay tuned for danger but better. Yeah. You know, that's just my opinion. Uh like I said, I went into this completely blind so I didn't know what to expect. Um but there were a lot of things that made me think of other games in the series. The game opens up with our contact uh, named Molly McKenna, who is a friend of a friend of Carson's. 
and she's wanting Nancy to come to Hollywood because an old movie set is being turned into a theme park, essentially, where things are happening. The game started out with a tutorial, which I found super helpful because I was lost, okay? <laughs> I had no idea that we were going to be keeping a score, that we were going to be earning points. Like, I mean, it makes sense because of the format of, you know, clicking on things and trying to find hidden things, but I wasn't expecting that. So the tutorial was super helpful for me. So uh, one of the first things that I recognized was there were some references to Krollmeister. Yep. Which I appreciated. And then the, one of the first things that I clicked on was this wanted poster for a stray black cat that was seen on set. And I'm like, okay, Waverly Academy, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Waverly Academy, Ida's sister was a graduate of there. I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw it on the wiki fandom page. And I even mentioned it in our Waverly Academy episode. Huh. <laughs> And, and Ida's sister is also in the next dossier game, Resorting to Danger. You just told me that. I didn't know that because I don't know anything about that game either. <laughs> that game, like, picture of the box really reminds me of um, Phantom of Venice. Kind of, yeah. What's her face that's all, like, snooty? What's her name? Margarita. Yes. Reminded me of her. standing <laughs> on the roof of the, the car. Oh, jeez. Um, we'll get there. <laughs> We'll get there. <laughs> we'll talk about that one, too. <laughs> so uh, one of the first things that we had to do was find our contact, Molly McKenna, and she was supposed to be found on Studio Set A. Soundstage blew a circuit, so we have to fix the generator. I thought that Molly came off kind of rude at first, which I'm sure is probably a product of her having to deal with all of these accidents and weird things that are happening. I mean, you know, they're on a tight time schedule trying to get this done, but it just came across as rude to me. And it, I mean, so much so that I made a note about it. <laughs> So, so yeah, the first thing that we have to do is fix the generator so that we can open the door onto the set. And then I like lost my mind because we were looking for the wrench and there was a reference to torque. <laughs> <laughs> so ghost dogs reference. And then I thought it was very interesting when you are having conversations uh, with the characters. It's not like in the regular format of the games where you can just have a full conversation and you know in whatever order it's like I said score based and so it's very important to in order to get the highest score to answer correctly because if you keep getting line. if you keep getting the wrong answer like if you just keep guessing you're not going to get any points at the end Exactly, which I thought was interesting. But like I said, in retrospect, it does make sense to kind of keep score. It was just a totally new concept to me. So it kind of threw me off at first. Yeah, that's just me. And I did really like the uh, cutscenes. They very much reminded me of like the time period itself, like the way that the animation was. It looked old. And like I said, I have no frame of reference to the next game. So I don't know if that design style is the same. You can tell me if it is or not. I It's been a while since I played the other games, so I don't really remember too much about like design-wise if it's the same or different. So I can't really tell you until okay, we that's fine. get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> I was able to fix the generator, get the door open, and then the next thing that we had to do was then we had to go to another area in the game where we had to find an onk 
like a prop for Molly, which I love the um, the aesthetic of like the backgrounds, like the pawn shop. I was really intrigued by that. And I really wish that that was like a location because I feel like in a Nancy Drew game, when you're solving a mystery, a pawn shop would be a fantastic place to search. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? That's why I yeah. keep thinking, like, man, this game, if it had been in the regular format, I feel like would have been really good. Had to clean up outside, click on the trash can, clean up the packing peanuts, found a bobby pin that we could then use to pick locks, which I don't know if you've ever tried to do that or anyone else listening has ever tried to do that. It is not as easy as Nancy and other people on TV make it seem. I've never tried it, so I wouldn't know. I just, you know, for kicks and giggles when I was bored, I had like a padlock that I used to use when I was in school on my locker. I tried a bobby pin, didn't work. I even took apart like a paper clip if thinking that that might work better. No, didn't do anything. Oh, jeez. Maybe I just don't have the lock picking skills. I don't know. Um, but I tried, <laughs> you know, just because I was bored. So uh, as we're searching around outside, uh, I also found a letter that had a bunch of symbols on it. Uh, found a screwdriver that I could then use on the grate in the lower right hand side of the screen. And then there was a gramophone record, which like I said, you know, this really just ties in with the whole vibe of like this 1930s movie. Then I was able to get into the pawn shop. Uh, I had to do the lock tumbler puzzle, which confused the crap out of me. I feel like we had to do that every single time. Like, I don't know if I was tired when I was doing it, if I'm my brain just doesn't work that way. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Did you have to redo it at all when you oh, were? Yeah. <laughs> of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> so finally got through that and found the onk that was inside the crate. All of a sudden, we noticed the cat. Here's some information. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. My watch just started talking to me. Um, and so then I had to click on the hedge clippers because I was like chasing the cat, or that part was kind of strange. This cat, um, like throughout the whole game, was just like annoying at times. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not here to cat chase anything, I'm here to solve this mystery. What's happening? Yeah, yeah, it was weird because it was like when I first saw that wanted poster for the black cat, I was like, all right. I mean, is this what's going to happen the whole time? Or yeah. I was still confused, didn't really know what was happening. And then once again, back to the lockpick game. Very confusing for me. My brain just, you know, doesn't work. And then I had to find the pliers and then I clicked on them and used them on uh, the wire that was on the side of the fountain and then clicked on the electric box so that we could turn on the animatronics and make them work. Then the animatronics machine shot like a gun and the cat jumped off of the billboard. And then we had to go to the next scene. So, I mean, you know, I didn't really like the controls. <laughs> because, like I said, I get it's a hidden object and things you have to click on. But I'm so used to the format of the other games. Yeah. Not including Midnight in Salem because that is just. That's crap. In a category of its own. Uh-huh. The first 32 games. That was the best. This is just so different in so many ways. But anyways. And even like throughout the game, we had to, it's almost like a search and find. 
Yes. You know, and yeah. it's, it doesn't, you know, like in a word search or like the search and find games, it'll say like, okay, you need to find like these words or these objects. Yeah. And in, in this game, it doesn't even tell you this is what you have to look for. No, no, like, it kind of just leaves it open. But I, I will say I did like the little in the bottom right hand corner that it would say like the basic goal of what you're doing for that particular chapter. Um, which that was another thing that the game is basically broken down into like different chapters, which is interesting. Hold on. My dog is dreaming. <laughs> Wake up. Huh? She was like whining in her sleep in this next scene. The cat somehow got into the pawn shop upstairs. Ooh. So when we opened the lock, did we leave the door open? Apparently <laughs> I was kind of confused, but okay. Um, so the cat's looking out the window. We had to click on the vent, and then you see some clips of the cat in the vent, and then there's a key, and then... This part reminded me of the final scene, where you needed, like, something yeah. long and sticky to yeah. get <laughs> you know, what you needed. Yeah, which I kind of wonder or if even they um... kind of had some of those in mind. Not as Easter eggs, but I'm going to call it an Easter egg. Not like an Easter egg like we or used to in the other games, but like, it's just like a kind of a throwback maybe. Yeah. Wonder if they did that on purpose. It also reminds me of last train to blue moon Canyon when they have to try to get the key out of the grate and yep. copper gorge. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. <laughs> Had to get the duct tape and click on the wire that, is on the fan, picked up a piece of paper that fell on the ground, and the note says, Unlock my heart by Charlena Purcell. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Time to snoop some more. And then there's um, when you click on the vent, you'll see a key. And then you uh, clicked on the file cabinet and it opened up. And there's like a, a gold emblem that pops up. On the books that are under the safe, there's a gold key that appears in a secret compartment. And then you click on the desk and then the phone starts to ring. It's like the matching game. <laughs> like it, it's very weird. Yeah. And then we're talking to Molly again and uh, we tell her we got a strange phone call. It was a man with a deep voice. And he said, uh, get back to the soundstage, back to the soundstage. And then we clicked on the black camera dolly. And then there's a note on there from Molly. And it says, Dolly's track locations are pre-programmed for the day's shooting schedule. Any deviations from this order will cause the system to reset because, of course, it will. Nothing is easy. So then we had to look at the shooting schedule that was on the lower right-hand side. And then... Um, there are different parts of the scene that have been marked and then you have to get the shooting schedule correct then we had to put the pipes together like there's for the pipes i'm pretty sure you could have put them in any spot and it would have been fine but it, i think it depended on like the connection part of it i think yeah so then we see the cat crazy and then there is a piece of paper in front of the chair still trying to catch the cat then we have to build the ramp. And then there's cans of paint and red paw prints, which, you know, 
Red Prince makes me think of Secret of the Scarlet Hand. (laughs) 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 I had to look around in wardrobe area, which was very cluttered and kind of gave me anxiety a little bit. And like people really need to pick up after themselves. Yeah, I mean, really, honestly, I don't know if you've ever done anything in theater, but I have. Um, And that's one of the, the cardinal rules. Because if you have like your props everywhere with no organization, it's so easy to lose stuff. And when you're in the middle of doing a show, your time on stage and off stage goes so fast that you have to really have it down to a science so that you don't slow things down. And that's the perfect way to slow things down is if you're not organized and stuff is just laying everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, that one kind of got me. And then uh, so I was looking around in there. Then we learned about Jojo and the crew. Saw Tatiana's note saying that she was scared about the accidents. It's still so weird to me trying to pick what the right answer is. I know. (laughs) In the conversations. Then I got to the point of making smoothies while listening to the gossip. Didn't mind that. I kind of liked that. Um, Some of the ingredients in these smoothies are kind of interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't have any of those smoothies, to be honest. No. Mm -mm. Well, I'm not much of a smoothie person anyway, so (laughs) no. Um, And then we hear people talking about Arthur Hitchens, which that made me think of Hitchcock, (laughs) which I assume is probably a reference, a real uh, real time, real life reference. Then I got to snooping around the office and then I had to click on the box in the lower right hand side on top of the desk. And it was at this point that I was like, okay, now I kind of see why these games aren't as popular. Uh-huh. Cause like I said, I enjoy being able to actually talk to the characters and have full on conversations and learn my information that way and learn by snooping and being able to click on everything. And that's not how this game is. And it's so like- it around this time that I'm like, okay, this isn't my favorite. And it's like, I feel like with the other games, you have more freedom to walk mm-hmm. around, snoop, all that kind of stuff. This yeah. one, this one is like, no, you can't do that. You, when it's time to go to the next scene, then the game will take you to the next scene. Yeah. And then like you, yeah, essentially you have no control over mm-hmm. what happens in the game. No. Unless it's like to put stuff together to find stuff, but like, that's it. Yeah. But then if you do that wrong, or like I said, if you pick the wrong answer in a conversation, you don't get as many points. Yeah, that too. That was that was something else that I was like really thinking about in the back of my mind was trying to make sure that I got the points I was supposed to get. So I, I feel like it kind of, not kind of, it really did take away from what I'm used to doing. Yeah, and I could... Straight. Like, yeah, it wasn't really that fun overall. Yeah. You know, as a playthrough. So. Yeah. And not super intuitive either. Yeah. Which I feel like there are some of the games that struggle in that department as well. But I feel like there are more of the games that don't struggle in that. So, yeah. It it was weird. But I kept trucking on. Just like as Emily from Ghost Dog said, keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. (laughs) Um. So I was still looking around, clicking on the file cabinets, um, and then there was a green bag, uh, and inside of the bag was a shaving brush, and then this was when I looked at the outline on the floor of the body, 
very weird. I was very confused. Looked under the fan on the right side shelf and found a note. Then I had to do the decoder. Had to match the letters to the hieroglyphs, uh, which spelled out Pharaoh. There yeah. were different pages for like some of this stuff. And it took me a little bit to realize that there was multiple. <laughs> yeah. And then the next one was Nefertiti, which that was a real... That was a real Egyptian queen, I feel like. I feel like I've heard that name before. Like, I'm almost positive. I'm looking it up. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I feel like that's... I know I've heard that name before. She was a queen of the 18th dynasty of ancient Egypt. The great royal wife of Pharaoh Ak- Akhenaten. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> Okay, so she, okay, so that's interesting that they have, like, real-world references, because a lot of times they don't. Sometimes they do, like, in my favorite game, the final scene with Harry Houdini, but I feel like a lot of times um, in the regular Nancy Drew games, uh, references to what they consider, like, real-life things or people are fictionalized, obviously, but I do enjoy a a good real-life reference so then the third code was lois which was the woman in the i guess original um version of the movie pharaoh uh and then this is when we met arthur hitchens talking about the director and the real reason that nancy was hired did you know that sorry (laughs) no you're fine (laughs) um did you know that the act voice actor that played the director was Jonah von Spreken. I did, but I didn't know that until today when I because <laughs> I was looking at the just regular Wikipedia page for this game and it only had Lonnie listed as the voice of Nancy. And I'm like, there are obviously other characters. I want to know if um, some of our other people that we have um, come across have been in uh, or were in this game. And so I actually pulled up the IMDB page for this game. And there are a couple names like Jonah that um, stuck out to me. Scott Cardi was one of the gossiper voices. Oh, didn't know that. Uh, Carrie Healy was one as well. And uh, Jennifer Pratt. Okay. So on, I feel like Jonah is one of the voices or the actors that has done like a million different voices throughout the games. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but he, is he Frank? Yes. Yeah, I can never remember if he's Frank or Joe. He's done a lot of games as Frank, but then, yeah, you're right. He's done a lot of other random characters as well. Yeah. So, I mean, short of Lonnie, he probably has the longest resume. That includes Nancy Drew Games. Yeah, I think so. I kind of wish that he would come on the podcast so we can talk to him. I know, because I'm sure he has a lot of different stories. Yeah. Um, But he's very... Very obviously a busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> so talented, too. Um, yeah. I got to the hotel lobby and had to find Molly's room. Um, there was a lot to click on in there, including, like, the guest book. And then we saw the Pharaoh poster. We had to match the letters that are on the side of the, the poster with the ones that are in the puzzle. And then you have to spell out, and I don't even know how to say this. I'm going to butcher it. Um, you had to spell out, find the Naha, Najahaji, Najahaji. Even at one point, didn't Nancy kind of like the Naja something or other? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. Then we had to do uh, some more snooping and lock picking, and then lots to click on in the actual hotel room, which was a mess. Like, what is up with all these messy rooms? I don't know. Which, I mean, I guess it makes sense because hidden object. Yeah. Um, I guess it wouldn't be quite as difficult if everything was organized and in its place. Went to um, the soundstage and had to go to the prop room. Was waiting for Millie to come out. Secret, uh, or uh, stay tuned for danger. <laughs> um, had to clean up. Like something else there. we had to clean. Yeah, because it was a, a disaster in there. There's like packing peanuts and all kinds of stuff all over the place. I was kind of waiting for John Gray to show up with all those packing peanuts. <laughs> last train. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And all of his ghost hunting stuff. Yeah. And then <laughs> talk to Molly about the prop room and um, why it was locked if there was nothing valuable in it. And then there was a crate of flash boom that was completely empty. And then told her about the scaffolding, how there was a bolt that was shaved off. And then we had to check the equipment, looked at the digital decryptor, had to use the blocks on the left side of the screen to build another big block. <laughs> Very confused. And then we were back to the wardrobe area and had to get into the locker. Like I said, I'm sorry, my notes are just all over the place. Just like this game was kind of all over the place. I hate to say it, but yeah, it was really chaotic. Like it was, it was hard for me to be able to focus on the task at hand because there was so much clicking that had to be done. Uh, it was, it was just tough. Why couldn't we just be in like one area for a length of time, get all that stuff done and then go to the next scene? Yeah, it was chaotic because it was moving back and forth so much, which I guess the same argument could be made for the regular games but i feel like it's more controlled in the other games and it makes sense yeah whereas this was just jumpy and all over the place but then once you get the puzzle done uh, a snake comes out of the locker it was ida's locker yes ida's locker and there was like a picture of lois it's kind of weird yeah kind of weird uh-huh. and then um looked at all that stuff in there and then we had to uh, calm Edith, told her that we're not really a production assistant. We're actually a detective um, and told her about the snake that came from her locker and about the uh, jewel of Karnak book. So weird, but OK. Um, and then it was time for the reptile room. Which was another big mess with no lights. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Which... I want to ask you, do you like reptiles? They're not my favorite, but I, if they're in like cages and they're controlled, some like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then I wouldn't mind it so much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I understand. I really like them. I think they're cool. Um, I'm actually wearing a zoo hoodie <laughs> right now. Um, Cause the, the zoo that we, go to that mark and i go to has like an entire house for reptiles so it's like a controlled climate kind of area where they're all just you know doing their thing and stuff and i would honestly i would love to have a reptile as a pet 
I would love to have a bearded dragon, but I feel like my dogs wouldn't be too happy about that. My next question would be, how would the dogs react to it? I don't think they would like it. Like, I don't think I would be able to, if I had a bearded dragon, I don't think I'd be able to let it, like, walk around and roam around like it it should be able to. Yeah. I'm afraid that they would think it was a toy at first. I'm like... <laughs> um so i guess i'll just you know enjoy reptiles at the zoo (laughs) um but yeah this area made me kind of think of of that so we had to get the snake wrangling cane that was in the top left side um and use it to get the snakes that are going all over the place then we had to look for evidence cage that's on the top left side said egyptian cobra cobras you don't want to mess with so finished all that and then we had to go to the hotel lobby to do the decoding of the naja haji i am not pronouncing that right oh gosh (laughs) but had to decode that um and then got that code which was just letters and then um learned about uh lois manson the original actress in the original pharaoh movie and then talked about how the prop room got broken into and the thief was wearing a hooded cloak which i mean we've run into hooded cloaks tons of times does that or does that not remind you of waverly yeah i'll never forget the first time i was playing waverly and it was that scene when we were in the tree looking down and i'm like a this is creepy and b this also reminds me of like the ceremony, ritual, whatever you want to call it, in Curse of Blackmore Manor. Yeah. Everything <laughs> just connects to everything else in my brain. Yep. Um, <laughs> so then after that, we had to get to the penthouse. Oh, my gosh. Which, I'm not going to lie, I love that. I thought yeah. that was beautiful. Yeah. And also gave me ghost dogs vibes. It also gave me danger by design vibes. Yeah. With the picture making. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Um, That had to all be on purpose, right? It had to be. Had to be. Um, And question. Yeah. Why do you need to pay to open your mini fridge in the penthouse? Yeah, see, I feel like you shouldn't have to, because in real life, if you're in like a a really nice hotel room like that, it doesn't cost money to do that, but it costs money if you're going to drink the drinks or eat the food. Yeah. But opening it. (laughs) I don't get it. Yeah, that, yeah, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, So had to click on the fountain and it tells you that Nancy has to turn off the fountain and then um the light on the excuse me the light on the telephone comes on and then you have to give the five digit employee access code so we use riley's card clicked on the security camera on the top right hand side and then um clicked on the decryptor icon and then more snooping the room's dark when you get to it and then more snooping around. And then we find Arthur Hitcher's credit card. 
<laughs> He's very trusting. Yeah. Turn like, on the TV and ask for the credit card number. Like, okay. Let's do some shopping while we're at it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Scene goes back into the bathroom. Then you have to develop the film, which is so dangerous. If you don't know what you're doing. Like, I'm sure that there are some people that are, like, into photography and, like, old-time photography that still do dark rooms. But, yeah, like, the chemicals and stuff are so dangerous. And, again, danger by design vibes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I have never done that puzzle the correct way. Ever. I've always done the cheat where you flush the toilet a bunch. Because I just, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I know some people will put like post-it notes on their screen so that they know where to click and in what order to click and stuff. But like, I've just, I've never done it. I don't know about you. Uh, the last time we did it, I did do it like with the sticky notes on my screen. Yeah. I don't remember what I did the last time, but it's just like a real pain in the butt, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So I hate to say it, but when I when I know little cheats like that, I definitely use them. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so had to do the dark room. We have to find out um, if uh, Jorge's at the Caspa. Jorge. Jorge. That's how it's spelled, George. Sorry. <laughs> You're saying it with the Spanish way? Yeah. <laughs> and yet he's Australian. Yeah. But when they, I forget, because when I see it spelled like that, I automatically say Jorge. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to call him that, Jorge. Um, and then we had to go to the club, which I thought was fun, which gave me um, Phantom of Venice vibes. That was where we went to the club and danced in the black cat suit, right? Yes. Was it that one? Yeah. So then we had to prep the smoothie bar and do some more snooping. Was this the part where like we're left alone in the at the club? I think so. Like, why is it these guys are really trusting and letting Nancy stay by herself? I don't know because we're still technically undercover, though, right? Kinda, I think. Technically. But it doesn't make sense to give someone all that trust. No, I know. You know. <laughs> I don't know. And it's like, Nancy goes from doing smoothies, and then all of a sudden the whole place is empty. Yeah. And then like doing, the, doing the piano. See. Then we had to get to the docks. Picking locks again. It really does make it seem easier in the games than in real life. I know. It's not easy at all, unless you know, you know what you're doing, which very obviously I do not. Mm-hmm. Then we uh, get to this area with a garage and a car, and then the scene starts moving, and it, we get to the dock. Then we have to look for evidence, which that kind of confused me, because that's the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. <laughs> that's, that's not in Hollywood, is it? The Golden Gate Bridge, I think, is in San Francisco. But anyways, Okay. I'll move past it. Um, Hold on, I'm looking. Are you looking? Yeah. Because uh, that's pretty far away. Because California is big. Well, the the locale is San Francisco, California, and Marin County, California. Hmm. So, I don't know. <laughs> Confusing. 
<laughs> and then we had to do the blocks game. And there are paw prints that are on the dock. And then there's a net and fish appear. There's like a pulley system and we click on the rope. And then uh, a box appears in the water. And then um, then you have to pair up crows. But that one was weird. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm just like, I don't even know what's happening. Uh, very confused. And then we have to get to the house on Main Street. Oh, yeah. And if you don't do it in time, then you have to start all over again. Yeah, I had to do that one a couple times. Yeah. Then getting into the cellar. My next question is, between the crows and lighting the candles in the cellar, why was there a timer? I don't know. I guess because, like I said, we're keeping score. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's very weird. And then we say, um, we think we know who's been spying. And then we had to snoop in Arthur's office. Again. Again. And then snoop around in there. Look at the safe. Go back to uh, soundstage A. Looking for the manifest crate. Move over to another scene. And we see some blueprints. And then we have to find the arc. And you guessed it, another hieroglyph puzzle. Oh my gosh, I did not like those hieroglyphs. No, it was tough. And so we had to uncover the word Egyptian cobra. And then um, we tell George we saw the makeshift photo lab. And then isn't this where like everyone just shows up? Yeah, I think it was. Then the hidden basement. <laughs> and then had to find out what's inside of the sarcophagus, which I was afraid was a jump scare. Tomb of the Lost Queen vibes. Mm -hmm. I feel like this game. Yeah. Using the flash bombs to blow away the rubble until we uncover the old buried set. Ta-da! And then gotta remove the pillars and spell Lois four times by selecting the right pillars. Did you write down the clue that it gave you to make sure you did it in the right order? Yeah. <laughs> had to. Yeah. Find out what was being hidden. That's where my notes end. Yeah. Because I was confused. <laughs> this is all a blur, to be honest. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, this this was this was tough. And I'm glad that I went in with no expectations. Cause I feel like if you don't have expectations, you really can't be disappointed. Really? But I did want to uh, read a little bit of a review on the AdventureGamers.com website. We didn't even reveal the culprit. <laughs> I don't even remember who the culprit was, if I'm being honest. Ida. Ida. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shows you how much I was invested. <laughs> Which sounds harsh. I'm not trying to be, but like, I'm so spoiled by like my favorite time frame in the games yeah. i say that but then there are some of the newer games too that i like but uh, i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> this one was just rough for me <laughs> i'll play the other one when we get to it i'm not even sure when we're getting to it i think that probably by the end of next year 
Okay. Maybe by then I won't be quite as jaded and I'll, I'll be able to go in with a fresh set of eyes. <laughs> I might try to play this one again in a few months. But just a heads up, if you do decide to play it again, you have to put a new name in. Oh, that's good to know. I didn't know that. Yep. So I did it. Like, the first time I did it, it was with my own name. And then when I went back, I was like, okay, I'm just going to start a new game. And I couldn't do it until I put a different name in. And then it worked. That's interesting. Okay. I, know. It, I don't, I didn't get that. Why we had to do that exactly. Like, but. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Let me just read a little bit about, uh, about this review from uh, AdventureGamers.com. It says, the changes from the main series in Lights, Camera, Curses are evident right from first glance. Gone is the realistic style of its adventure game predecessors, replaced by hand-painted artwork more closely resembling a graphic novel. That's actually really, that's a good comparison. Yeah. This is supplemented by comic-like cinematics to complete the effect. The only exception is the character models during dialogues. These semi-animated talking heads, which was kind of creepy, <laughs> while nicely designed, <laughs> look like they belong perfectly in a Nancy Drew adventure, though here it means they clash stylistically. They're not at all unpleasant to look at. Don't agree with that. <laughs> Simply a strange departure from the game's overall aesthetic. What you will find is a lightweight case that sends Nancy to a Hollywood movie lot where the remake of a classic called Pharaoh is currently being filmed. Production has been beset by a series of unexpe unexplained accidents and is up to the teen sleuth to investigate. The more she digs, however, the deeper the mystery, as it seems the original movie was plagued by unsolved tragedies of its own. Naturally, there are a handful of suspects in the current affair, including the ditzy starlet, the snake-loving director, the harried producer, and the desperate studio mogul whose back is against the financial wall. It's a typically cheesy tale, but it's served up at a nice pace to keep the intrigue alive. The pace was good, I will say that. And we did end up finding out that Lois was actually alive and she faked her own death. So, and we found the, what, the original film or screenplay something? Yeah. So. Dialogue between Nancy and the supporting cast represents one of the game's puzzles. Rather than simply clicking through a, through barely interactive topic trees, conversation in Lights, Camera, Curses includes a series of quiz questions sprinkled throughout, testing your memory on details you've encountered so far. You can't fail, as the only consequence of wrong answers is a lower po point total when you finally get them right. Just about everything Nancy does is assigned a point value throughout the game. The higher your point total, the higher your rank at games end. But the only practical benefit is the promise of a special ending if you attain the highest rating possible. So you essentially need to get, if you want to get the full, like, special ending, you have to have, like, literally a perfect game, essentially. Yeah. Which, is that realistic? Isn't going to happen. No. The overall verdict of this review was that uh, Nancy Drew's first dossier uh, case is a radical departure from her main mystery series, but it's a fun, refreshing, casual adventure experience. Maybe that's why there are only the two dossier games, because they weren't as popular as the rest of the games. I don't even know if I would call it casual. It's so different. Yeah. And I feel like it almost feels like there's more at stake because you're having to try to attain the highest score possible. Keeping track of that is the stressful part to me. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Because it's like, if I mess up, yeah, you don't necessarily die. You don't, 
like second chance it, but I don't know. Yeah. This was a rough one for me. Yeah. Like I, I can't even like explain it. <laughs> like this is not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination. And I had messaged you last night and said, I wonder what this game would be like on like a mobile version. Yeah. You know, because there are a lot of games like on smartphones that are like this. I wonder if maybe it might have done a little bit better in that kind of aspect rather than on PC. Maybe it might have been a little more popular. Who knows? I don't know. This just. This wasn't it for me. Yeah. It wasn't really my favorite. (laughs) No. But I really feel like maybe tweaked a little bit. If, like, the basic storyline could have been done, like, a regular game, I'd be intrigued by that. Yeah. I don't know. Because I I feel like you could change it so that it's not not too similar to Stay Tuned for Danger and not too similar to Final Scene. I don't know. And But I, I did like the little sprinklings here and there of other games in the past. Um, I feel like if, I, if it didn't have that, then I'd like it even less. Yeah. But yeah, this one was rough for me. Did you notice that each like each character had a different color? And for each color, did you notice it had part of the person's wardrobe? Does that make sense? No, I didn't even notice that. So Molly has red hair and her box was red when she was talking to you. Yeah. Ida was yellow. Part of her costume was yellow. Okay. George was blue, and his clothes were blue. Okay. And Arthur, his was green, and his tie was green. So that was all done on purpose, then? Probably, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm trying to be as nice as possible about it, but, I mean... It's rough. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. It really is. Um, and we all, usually for like listener comments, we have a few. We only got one. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear some listener comments. Let's hear some listener comments. It was from MBL Roy. 99 they said as an old hollywood fan love it wish they made more dossier games yeah i mean i feel like i mean i now keep in mind i don't know how difficult it is to create games i'm sure it's very difficult i'm not sure how much it costs financially or how much time it takes but this series was shelved after the second game they had a third game in production had a name had a basic premise and they shelved it yeah i feel like after two games you're not going to get an accurate feel for what your audience is thinking i feel like they might have given up on it too soon but like i said i don't know the financial situation at that point because i mean they're keeping up with the regular games at the same time yeah and i can't imagine they essentially always had two games in production at the same time. And with the dossier games, it would have been like three games a year. Yeah. I can't imagine how chaotic 
that was and how stressful that was and keeping up with deadlines and meeting deadlines. So, you know, I don't know. In comparison, I'd like to know, like financial wise, how expensive each type of game is, because I wonder if it's possible if. Because, you know, right now, Her Interactive is kind of not necessarily dormant, but they're not they're not giving us any information. Yeah. So I wonder if this could maybe be something that could potentially be reworked and revisited. Yeah. And I'm still a fan of remastered games. Other game franchises do it all the time. Yeah. And I'm just saying, I I wouldn't know what to do if they did a remastered version of the final scene. <laughs> I would be losing my mind. And would they add new characters if they did remastered exactly because i feel like secrets can kill remaster which we will get to and because we're going to do an episode about that i feel like it had high points but i feel like it had low points as well so i don't know i feel like i just want something from her interactive yeah not midnight salem oh gosh no like that was a disaster yeah i'd be like yeah <laughs> But I don't know. I feel like this could be tweaked a little bit, the dossier, I mean. And maybe if they reworked it a little bit, it would be a little more popular. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I think I'm going to wait a while and then revisit it again and see if I change my mind on anything. Yeah. Because, yeah, a little rough. At least this way. We're able to replay all the games and talk about it and analyze them all. Yeah. In the books. Yeah. <laughs> so, and even have guests on to analyze them with us. Yes. But also, that really doesn't surprise me that we only had one listener comment. Honestly, I'm surprised we even had one listener comment. Yeah. Because I just feel like these games aren't talked about as much at all. No, I don't think so. So. Yeah. So listeners, that's your cue. If you want to join us for a book or a game, let us know. Yes. And we'll work something out that that you can join us. Yeah. Because, you know, when we post about each week when the episode for the week goes live, if you look at the Instagram post, it also has what's coming up in the next several weeks. So Yeah, always feel free if there's something that strikes your fancy, feel free to send us a message on any of our platforms and let us know if you'd like to be involved. Be more than happy to have anybody come aboard. We've had the pleasure of speaking to other fans um, and it's always been a good time. And even if like the weekly schedule that we post, it obviously only shows up six weeks ahead. And if you wanna know what's coming out later in the year, you can ask that too because we have like a temporary plan of what we're going to do. So yep. there's always that option. Yep. Yep. Because we'll be um, dipping our toes pretty soon into like the um, uh, Nancy Drew files, which is a little more mature, not mature as in like the TV show mature, but a little more mature Nancy versus the original series. So that's coming up soon, which is a lot of fun. Yep. So if anybody's interested, 
you know, our mess, our messages are always open. Yeah. So. Yep. We will be discussing uh, Nancy Drew Mystery Stories number seven, Clue in the Diary. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know if I had the title right there for a second. I'm still in the process of reading the book, but I messaged Alexa when I was reading it because I'll go ahead and say we get our first reference of Ned Nickerson in this book. And I was like fangirling on the inside. Okay, Ned. So excited. (laughs) But yeah, we will get into that when we discuss next time. Yeah. And then before you know it, the show's, the final season of the show's coming out. Yeah, it is. Um, We're obviously (laughs) recording this uh, well in advance of when it's going to be posted, but it's getting close to the end of March now. And it's, uh, May is going to be here before we know it. And we'll be on the road to finishing out that series. So in case you guys didn't know, we've already recapped seasons one and three of the show. We are obviously going to recap season four. Mm-hmm. This one it comes out, and then we're gonna recap season two next year in 2024. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, we're gonna have to kind of see how that all shakes out. We're gonna try to do recaps of season four in real time, as close to real time as possible. Um, it's just gonna kind of ha- depend on how it shakes out, and we won't really know how that's gonna happen until closer to time. But we're gonna try to stay on top of it as cl- closely as we can. Yeah. So. Yipper. And if you want to join us for the show, listeners, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're always excited to have other people come on. And on that note, you know, you can always find us on Instagram at River Heights Buzz. You can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook in our Facebook group and on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. Send us a message. Yep. We've given you lots to work with here, guys. Lots of ways to contact us. We're always around. Just waiting to hear from other fans. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. I think with nothing else to report, I think that's a wrap. Yep, I think that's it. See you next time, guys. (laughs) Bye, guys.